Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for November 21st of 2015. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. Uh, this week we will discuss some of the players that are reportedly on the trade market. Uh, the three we have in mind are defensemen. Uh, we'll also look at some, some of the teams that are riding a high PDO and maybe aren't doing so well in other areas, and one of these teams has a fantastic record. So we'll see if uh, we'll analyze that team and, and figure out what they're all about this year. And we'll cover off some Pittsburgh Penguins stuff uh, to begin. Uh, it kind of came out of nowhere this week. Travis Hamonic requested a trade from the New York Islanders. Uh, I believe the reason was family reasons. To, to move That's, to yep, the West. Says, yep. Yep. Uh, Western Canada at first, but that um, those parameters may be widened to kind of facilitate a, uh, a trade a little bit sooner, maybe. So, kind of out of nowhere, and that puts the Islanders in in a tough spot because he's a he's a good what's, player. What's What's not too bad though is that he hasn't said it has to happen now. He can wait to the end of the year for it to happen. So. Oh, okay. I'm, if I'm, nothing, if nothing eventuates this year, he's not going to want to wait. Better way to put it, hold out and say, "Fuck it, I've oh, got to go." Okay. Yeah. So he's not going to do that to the team, but he has let them know that there's. I think someone's rather sick in the family, and he he wants to get closer to home, which you know you can't blame a player for for wanting to, to be in that situation. Um, but without that caveat of he's happy to wait, it did put the Islanders in a bit of a sticky situation when you think about it i'm actually for for me harmonic was always a guy that was played as a number two that it'd be a really really good number four and a good number three so i've not watched a lot of the islanders this year where is he like what are his numbers showing that he's providing uh last three years or two and a half or whatever you want to consider the 2015-16 the, the hero charts were updated yeah. to include this year to this point. Yep. Uh, solidly a top four possession guy and yep. uh, top pairing assist guy, top four pairing uh, overall offense. So top top four guy. Yep. Okay. Middle, Which middle is a of the road, right. top four guy. Yep. Okay. Because there are times where it's felt when the Islanders were sort of up and down, up and down, I class the Islanders as a good team now, so they've got past that up and down, up and down point. It feels as though Harmonic was always being asked to do more than he was capable of. Not his fault. That's what the coaching staff were, were, were wanting from him and because of the roster he's got. So adding in Liddy and, and, and Butchuk have really helped put Harmonic where he should be on the roster, and his plays improved. So if they do have to trade him, they, they are going to get value back for him because he's he's doing well in what he's being asked to do. Also, at least I see it as a positive. Uh, three, 3.85 mil, and that's going to be for one, two, three, four more years. Yeah, they'll get a good asset back. When they get that asset back for Harmonic is the big question. Um, and, and what it actually is, like it could be a couple of, it could be one piece and a couple of draft picks or a couple of average pieces in a draft pick, but <clears throat> they, they should expect to get equal value back um, at least. Um, 
and you just hope that it gets done while they've still got time and they're not stuck at the end of the year with an asset that wants to leave and then they get nothing. And he's only 25. Yeah. It feels like Hamadi's like been playing for years. Yeah. I thought he was I thought he was closer to 28. You say 25 and I get there and go, really? So has he been playing since he was 19? Pretty much. 2010-11 was his first Yeah. First year. So he's re- and that I suppose that's the other thing that would be disappointing for the Oilers franchise. They've developed him through from the draft pick through to what he is now and now he wants to leave. That would be so frustrating for for any organization that that's what's happened there. Yeah, they can't really say that, but you're right. No. Because they've signed him on to what if he's got four more years till he's 29, he'd be signed on to and he'd be hitting free agency at 29. Um so they did, you know, they did right by him. He did right by them by not obviously asking for the for the farm in regards to dollars per year. And, you know, you can't do much about family health if you're an organizer. You can't plan for that sort of stuff. You've just got to plan for what you can. But when something like this crops up, it would be very frustrating for that franchise. You know, things are trekking in the right direction, but losing a guy that you can rely on to be a top four defenseman that I'm assuming has a positive... Um, possession stance in what he's doing, you want to try and keep those guys around, and to have to get rid of him because of this would be very frustrating. Obviously, not knowing the dynamic for for the family, uh, his, his hometown apparently is like sixty kilometers south of Winnipeg. But even let's say best case scenario, as far as like family location. He gets traded to Winnipeg. Yeah. Outside of that, I mean, how often are you going to get home? Yeah, I know. I know. And it's it's one of the arguments against the whole... Um, some people have said, like, that window is really, really tiny in regards to the volume of teams that can pick him up. But as far as I can tell, Harmonic doesn't have a no-trade clause in his contract. So if the Isles aren't happy with, you know, the decision that he's made, there's nothing to say they can't just trade him somewhere else and get an asset back from somewhere else and have Winnipeg try and pick up that asset, the harmonic asset, through the other team. You know what I mean? So there could be a three-way trade in amongst all of this. Wow, that would be rare. Yeah, but not impossible. More of of an NBA thing, but that would be... Very interesting. Why is that? Why why is that that there doesn't seem to be many three way trades in this sport? Because you're right, there's not. Are the GMs just not creative enough? I don't know if it's got to do with the way the NBA cap is kind of constructed, out or or just there's really only. I know what what is it an eleven man roster for the NBA, but how many of them actually matter? Seven. I think it's. A, I thought it was a fifteen man roster, oh, and they see, can only dress, and they can dress twelve, and they usually only play about seven, maybe eight. <laughs> so, you think about actively what happens on the court. There are a lot of guys that get paid a lot of money to just train, basically, and they're and they're on the the court the whole time. Mm. Yeah. So you're moving major pieces. Most of the time in those three-way trades. Yeah, and you're right. I don't know. I have no answer for that. I just know that the sports are different. The caps are, even though they both have caps, those are different. 
So, one's a hard debt, one's a luxury tax, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know how that works. Yeah. No, that's a good point. It would it would be cool to see a something like that. But who I mean, I've heard Edmonton was interested and has been well, interested. And they should, Edmonton should be interested. But they don't want to move Darnell Nurse. And I'm not so sure I would either. No, and you wouldn't be trading. You look, everyone sort of gets there and says, we need, the, we, the, oil, the Oilers need to trade one of their guns to get in some defensive help. And I kind of agree with the philosophy of that. But the question you've got to ask yourself is, which one of those elite talented players you've got in that top six are you willing to take the risk of getting rid of at such a young age to bring in a defenseman that is definitely not going to have the output ceiling that the forward that you get rid of is going to? So, you know, Cherry Alley's got, got to work that out. He showed that he absolutely screwed that up with Tyler Sagan. So I don't know if I'd have a lot of confidence in the Oilers getting that right if I were the fans, to be honest. Well, he may have learned. There's that. Hopefully he has. I mean, it would be better for the league if he has learned because it means that, you know, someone's made a mistake, they've learned, they've moved on, they've improved their processes. That would be great. That's good for everyone involved. If he hasn't, then this league just sticks in mediocrity as it always does. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard Minnesota for harmonic. Really? I don't know. I'm just... I don't even know where I... Just perusing through Twitter, um, and not just random stuff, but like, you know, oh, that person's saying it. I can't even put a name on it because the Twitter feed just... There's so many things in a day. Yeah, no, no, that that makes sense. But so you run with... What what do they want back? Do they want another defenseman back? Or are they going to look and try and fill a hole somewhere else? Like... This is the thing I, I think it's preferable they want a defenseman back. But they're not hung up on that as an option. Okay. Because, yeah, I just I haven't watched enough of the Islanders to sort of look at them and go, have they got that depth to, to lose a top four? Have they got someone in their bottom two that can fill that hole and filter in a, a young, cheap option into that bottom pairing so they can put money elsewhere in, in the cap? So oh, That's a tough loss for them. It is. It really, really is. Boychuk like, and Letty know, are very good. Yep. And then it's harmonic. Yep. And then Brian Strait. <laughs> yeah, Brian Strait. Sorry. That was very unfair. But it's true. No, it'll be interesting to see the time frame of how it plays out and what they get for him. But I'll say, kind of surprising. Kind of came out of nowhere. Well, think about it. Think about it from Harmonic's end as well. You've been with this organization your entire career. They're just starting to become good. Whatever the reason is that he wants out, it must be pretty serious because you don't go through all the crap the Islanders have gone through to suddenly become good and then leave. You know what I mean? Like he's not going. I want to leave. I want to leave a crap team and go to a contender. Yeah, it's so impossible it must- to speculate on. Uh... It must be pretty. It must be pretty distressing for him to want to uproot his entire career to go and be closer to home. So, you know, hopefully, whatever's going on is not going to end up 
you know, being tragic, it'll probably be, be, be sad, but let's just hope that it doesn't turn out to be that bad. Yeah, no idea what it is, so tough to, tough to really Speculate, say. which is exactly what I'm doing. Sorry. Hope it works out, but mm. unfortunate, obviously. Uh, next man up is Trevor Daly. Rumored to be being shot by the Chicago Blackhawks, and not so long after being acquired by the Chicago Blackhawks. And the other rumor is they're looking for a top four defenseman. So what does that say about what they think of Trevor Daly? Uh, exactly what you wrote today is what it says. But the thing that I, f- I do like about this is that Chicago have got their made a trade that obviously acquired Daly. They didn't trade for him. He was just a part of the trade that got cap space, right? They've realized that he's not what they want. They've realized, they, they've realized he's not what they want, and they've gone, right, well, we have to upgrade. Screw the whole, oh, we've got him, we'll keep him sort of thing. They're going out and doing something about it, which gives Chicago credit. You know, They're not sitting on their laurels and going, oh, we'll try and get by with him. I like that. Yeah, but it was avoidable. Mm-hmm. Like, we it talked was. about it on this podcast. You called the Patrick it... Sharp to Dallas thing, and then we're like, wait, so you didn't resign Oduya? You let him go, and then you traded for Daly, who makes around the same amount of money? What the heck yeah. is going on here? And and that, that part of it was the baffling part. And you get there with it, and you go, okay, maybe they've realized they've made the mistake, and they're going to try and correct it. And that's fine. I'm, I'm, it's like what we just said about Chiarelli. You know, he made a complete – he screwed Boston over, basically, in regards to that deal that he, he got Louis Erickson back for Sagan because the future of that club rode on Sagan, and it's it's shortened their window now because they haven't got a superstar to come in and take over guys like Bergeron and stuff like that. Chicago have got the superstars in place. They've just got to make sure they have the right supporting cast around them to get the most out of their superstars. And Daly's obviously not it, according to Chicago. And they're smart enough to realize that and go, all right, we screwed up here. Let's solve this problem. Rather than go, oh, no, we're happy with him or this sort of stuff. We think he's fine. He plays he plays a good defensive system so he can help our offensive players play well. That sort of stuff. They've just gone, no, screw it. We've got to get rid of him. And I think that's great. Yeah, he hasn't uh, been a very good on the possession front for a number of years. He's been good. Even strength offensively, but he's only got three points this year playing with Chicago of all teams. So yeah, that's and, not going and, well and, for him. No, and that's that's a good sign that the general manager's gone. Okay, this isn't what we need. We've got to find another solution. It's good. I hate that it's Chicago because they've been so good at a lot of things for so long now that it would be nice for someone else to be. But it's good to see. And I saw that Ottawa may be interested. Really? And why do I get the feeling that Patrick Weirkoch is going to be the guy going the other way? Was that you that tweeted that? And I reckon you're on the money there, yeah. It's going to be something like that where Chicago just goes ass backwards into another good move because another team's just being silly. Fleeces them. Well, you know Malik's not going to have a freaking analytics guy on his staff because he... Cheapskate. So, yes, it's very likely that it's going to happen. 
you know, if Chicago wasn't in the same division as St. Louis, I would do what Travis Yost suggests and trade with St. Louis and get Shattenkirk back for him. <laughs> Is that what he said? No, he said trade with trade with St. Louis because they're making silly mistakes with who they're trading. Remember? Oh, had him on? His, yeah, his philosophy. His general overall philosophy. I didn't know specifically. Uh, no, I specifically said as a joke to get Shattenkirk out of St. Louis. Oh, Chicago. Well, that's the case. Throw Rob Shattenkirk Pull the wool over everyone's eyes. So that would be devastating if Shattenkirk went to freaking Chicago. Yeah, so who knows where Daly goes, but he's another uh, quote-unquote top four defenseman that's on the market. I I think it's, it's fool's gold. And I could see the team dealing with Chicago getting the short it? end of the stick there. Hey, the gap between... Oh, Florida wouldn't be stupid enough to do it. Campbell's obviously coming up to the end of his deal, right? We've discussed the Campbell conundrum for Florida. They wouldn't be silly enough to get to give up Campbell for Daly and something else as an asset to obviously make the cap work, would they? I don't think so. Thank God for that. I'm still holding out the uh, Campbell to Buffalo. Yeah, I like the homecoming idea. Was very impressed with you when you came up with that. That was great. And if I'm correct, I think Florida's kind of slipping a little bit in the standings with the Barkov injury. They might be. But that East is in a situation. That's the thing. You're going to have to be in the top three of that Atlantic division to get into the playoffs, I think. I don't think they're going to get a wild card in this year. I'm just, you know what I mean? Yeah, they probably will. New Jersey will, in my opinion, fall off. And that leaves New York, Washington, Pittsburgh, and the Islanders. So I think it can still be 4 yeah, four. Look, Corey Schneider could screw everyone over and get him in the playoffs. If they keep getting the performances they're getting up front, and there's nothing to say that they should continue to get it, but they might, Schneider will get that team into the playoffs the way that the team's playing at the moment. He's that good. Yeah, he is. And they're fifth. Only two points behind the Islanders. With two games in hand. Wow. Yeah. yeah. New Jersey's so, done you know, well. You're right. It will be four and four. Because there's no way in hell Tampa Bay won't make the playoffs. And they're, they're currently out of the wild card. So I just, I just can't see Tampa not getting it together and getting into the Atlantic as a top three. And then that would push Ottawa and Detroit. Boy, that being out of the playoffs would spice that Stamkos trade deadline up. Well, yeah. Actually, topic we just didn't... Do you think any of that is affecting what's going on with that roster at all? I don't think so. So then what's going on with a Tampa Bay team that is 500 tough to play that deep into the year before. So I suppose if they're playing 500 until they get it all back together, it's not too bad. Is that the way we sort of uh, approach it? 
I remember the Penguins going to the final and then needing to fire their coach the next year to get a playoff push. Yeah. I don't know. I can't say the firing Cooper to get that playoff push on the go. No, I'm just saying sometimes, you know, it doesn't come as easy the next year. Maybe I no, don't want to, yeah. you know, push this on them because it's impossible to know, but maybe they think things come a little easier than they do just because of hey, their success. I've, I've read a few articles and listened to a few podcasts. You cannot be serious. <laughs> Um, I reckon that's going to keep going for a while. Um, sorry, guys. Um, I don't. I don't live in the sticks. All right. I'm actually in a suburb. Um, yeah, I've lost my train of thought now because of that freaking thing. Um, yeah. I, look, I've read things that some that some people in Tampa do think that the team thinks things should be a bit easy, and that's what's happened. They've taken the foot off the pedal a little bit. Am I even listenable at the moment? <laughs> Just laughing. Oh, it's like a it's like a Colorado Avalanche game, a complete mess. Oh, boom boom shh. Very good. I do need some sound effects, not these ones though. You should swear oh. at him. Pump your fist. Oh come on, man. So just a sidetrack from hockey, but what 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 is going on here? Is, uh, what is my next door neighbour is I am assuming got out a freaking chainsaw and is cutting down branches off a tree in his backyard. Doesn't he know that for you Saturday mid afternoon is uh, your famous podcaster and he's no silence. No, this is the pro- the other problem we've got is where I do this. It's just got an open door out into the yard. We don't have a, a door we can close it off with, so it's like basically just a clear way. So anything that goes on outside, this is this is worse. This is worse than the the cockatoo back in Victoria. Is what I'm saying in regards to being able to hear it. It's yeah, like rock here. Chainsaw, it's it's a first. I think we're like almost 60-something episodes into this. I mean, that is the first chainsaw interruption we've had. Thankfully, it's not a massacre. But it's are we still able to do this properly? Like, it's not too bad, is it? It's gotten better. Okay, cool. I think it's because I actually turned the mic, so the arse of the mic is away from the, the window or the door. So hopefully it's a little better. All right. Anything else to add on daily? Um, no, I think we covered that one off. Do we want to, do do we want to touch Tyson Barry and the ridiculousness of that? Personally, I don't think he'll get traded. I think it's a little ludicrous that his name would even get thrown up there. I think it's really ridiculous that they would throw, um, Eric Johnson. Well, I can understand Duchesne a little bit. Oh, we'll go back to Eric Johnson because we'll discuss Duchesne. But you give Eric Johnson six million for one, two, three, six years, and that's the contract you should be giving Barry. I like Eric Johnson. What have you got against Eric Johnson? He's not Tyson Barry. You put Tyson Barry that high in regards to the numbers show that that's how good he is. 
Yeah, Barry's better than Johnson for sure. I, I actually, it's it's really funny. You know, watching watching Johnson and Latang. I actually got to watch the Colorado game. Um, watching both of those players. Who's Johnson? Who's Johnson paired with? Do you know? I can't remember. If I don't I, remember, ask uh, the chainsaw guy. He might know. Look. Leave me alone. Um, what, what I'm trying to say is that there were times with Latang against Colorado where he would he was he went behind the net, he turned a corner with a guy on him, and he should have just passed it to his partner. And he didn't. Latang? Yeah, and we know why he didn't pass it to his partner. Oh, well, so, we'll, we'll save that for a little bit later, but yeah. So, no, 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 so he turned it over. Now, I noticed Eric Johnson doing the same thing for Colorado, turning the corner, coming out the other side, and he would get cornered, and he either had to throw it up off the glass, which is not something he wants to do. He wants to obviously carry the puck, or he would end up, having it taken off him deep. So it got taken off him deep a couple of times. Then he would just start throwing it off the glass if he couldn't get around the corner and get clear. So it is one of those things where I wonder whether pairing him and Barry together might actually improve the play of Johnson. And that's what I was trying to work out. Well, Who he's actually paired with. Offhand, I don't know. But no, no. I was really wasn't expecting Eric it Eric Johnson is... Okay, he's he's not he's certainly not a liability. I, I think part of that Eric Johnson stuff is that he'll never live up to the the number one overall pick stuff. But that you know that doesn't matter to what he is now. True, that's exactly right. If what it, where he was picked years and years ago, because he was picked number one overall in the Jordan Stahl Taves draft, right? Was he the number one pick in that draft? Was he? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was. Jesus. So it's almost 10 years ago, so it's like, whatever. Well, you, you're exactly right. It is whatever. Um, Who cares? But, but back to, to Barry, I think he's a really good player. I think they'd be foolish to even, you know, they, sh- they should be extending him, like, now. Like, it should already be done. Their biggest weakness is their back end, and quite frankly, they need to take care of that. And they have an in-house option where they have, uh, he's an RFA, so they're, he can't just walk from them. I mean, make it worth his while. Well, get him to stay. Yes, absolutely. That's precisely, and I think that's what will happen. But if he hits the market, boy, 29 teams going to be happy. Well, you'd think so. You know, he's a... I reckon he's a top two pairing. Do the, do the numbers say he's a top two pairing? Barry? Yeah. Top. Yep, top, 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 top. There you go. Yeah, he's very good. So who's pulling the strings at that club? I don't I don't understand what they... I don't understand. and a bunch of puppets. Because that's the thing. I, I have no idea what they think is going to make a good team. It's the bit that I don't get. You can sort of see directions where, you know, LA likes to play, quote-unquote, a heavy game. They like to try and be heavy on you. Boston, when they were the big, bad Bruins, they were exactly what what they were. So, you know, Pittsburgh traditionally has been all about scoring. This year's not the case. 
Philadelphia's always been about being a physical team that's, that's probably be a little bit unfair here, but that's dirty and will do whatever it takes to win. That's not who they are at the moment. Colorado, I have no idea what they are as a, as a franchise. I think it's because they don't really know what they are as a franchise. They've got a 20-year history. They inherited a team that was on its way to winning a cup anyway. Um, and then, you know, it's all sort of been up and down and backwards and forwards. So they've gone back to the people that helped them win. And I, that's always fraught with danger. You look at Edmonton. Yeah, I can't, I, you know, I can't really speak highly to some of the moves they've, they've made. So... Yeah. I don't know. It's Joe Sackick, Patrick Waugh, a few puppets that are making choices, and, uh, you know, they're one of the worst teams as far as shot suppression, and that's not a recipe for success. No, no, it is not. So. Wow. Is the rainforest all cut down? I don't know, bro. It feels it feels weirdly quiet. And folks, obviously we're sorry, but our schedules don't align often enough to where we can like say, okay, we'll just pick this up tomorrow, because that's just not going to happen. So it is what it is. Exactly. So sorry, guys. We both agree. Tyson Berry gotta stay. Well, yeah, it, it, well, it, leading into ridiculous ideas, why on earth was Matt Duchesne's name brought up? Like, I look at that and I watched what he did against Pittsburgh and you see that he's on a really good hot streak at the moment in regards to actual tangible results. And yet when we discussed this at the start of the, well, before the podcast, you sort of said, oh, his underlying numbers aren't particularly fantastic. So just clarify a few things for me. Why Why would they, besides them being idiots, is it a good idea to think about trying to trade him and get a lot of assets back? It depends on what direction they're going in, and that's tough to predict because we, we just admitted that we didn't know. <laughs> yep. His underlying numbers are fine. He's a top, he's a second-line possession guy, first-line offensive guy. I don't... It's one of those things, would it have been better to pay Ryan O'Reilly as a center, who's really good, and kind of dangle Duchesne, who probably may have had higher trade value? Well, I think I think but you they... can't go back and do that, so... No, 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 no. I think they screwed that whole thing up with, with um, O'Reilly anyway. I, I, think he's, I think his management outpriced himself from Colorado and did that deliberately and I think he wanted out and he, he's away now so like you said though that deal's been done so they're paying 10 got... million for Jerome McGinley and Carl Soderberg hey we never said that was smart no but I'm saying like oh Ryan O'Reilly's making too much money yes and it's like well yeah because you sp- spend it in other places that's not smart and personally, I don't think their haul they got back for O'Reilly is that great. No, that, it's tough in situations. It just it just shows you that 
and I, I stand by what Travis said. I, I never really thought about it until he said it. But when you can see a franchise with a general manager that is just throwing away quality assets, talk to them every day. <laughs> see what you can get from them. If that, even if it doesn't fit what you need at the time, you can then move that asset for something else you might need from somewhere else. I think it's a really, really good thought process. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I wonder how many GMs feel the same way. So this is the thing. I don't know. It really feels like the GM crowd is an old boys club. It really needs guys like Rutherford to go, um, Burke to not have an influence in freaking um, Calgary. Lula Morello needs to go. Um, it just feels like too much of an old boys club. And there's a reason I bring this up, and it's it's because um, of what Rutherford said about the hit on Marta. In regards to, oh, no, it's fine. There's just too many old school brains going, on, going around at the moment, and I, I think the league will be better off when we get some Younger heads like, um, is it Kyle? Du- what's the guy that's the Toronto guy? Dubis. Thank you, Kyle Dubis. I was going to call him Dupuy, and I went, that's definitely wrong. Um, guys like that to have more of a say. Eventually, eventually, it'll happen. Yeah, but is it going to happen before you and I die? Yes. Thank God. I think. I was all on board until you said I think. Well, we don't make guarantees on this podcast. Unless we Uh, do, and we're right. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, the last guarantee I made, I was out by 12 months. I said that... Freaking Dallas had win the Central. It's 12 months too early. Yeah, they missed the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I picked the Blues. What the hell do I know? <laughs> well, all right, so defense talk. Put that on the back burner. Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a team that is currently first place in their division, 14-3-2. They have a plus 24 goal differential. So all this sounds... They're 9-1 in their last 10 games. And they're leading one of the tougher divisions in hockey. And I'm talking about the New York Rangers. And all those numbers sound really good, and they are. But the one there's thing, a but, there's a but at the end of this. Yeah, and it's really strange. Um, so their their PDO is like above 1060, and as always with the Rangers, you have to be careful using PDO and and saying that they'll regress all the way back to a thousand because. Half a PDO is constructed by save percentage, and they have Henrik Lundqvist. Yes, yes, they do. But 1060 is um, ridiculous because I think the next team is, like, not even at 1030. So their PDO is, like, ridiculous right now. 
But the thing that surprised me more than anything is their scoring chances for percentage. Yeah. It's like the third or fourth worst in the NHL at like 40, 46%. So what, what does that mean? It means they're really not playing all that well. But they're making the most of their opportunities. So they're almost your prototypical opportunistic team. I don't quite think that it's sustainable at all. We'll see. All right, so, all right, so you can almost guarantee, though, that the goaltending is not going to drop off. One quest is quest, and that's what it is. And they're... Their goal differential is is 24, so they're not just winning, but they're winning comfortably at the moment. So if they do regress back closer to a thousand, I would almost suggest they're still going to win games anyway, because Lundqvist isn't going to fall apart. Does that make sense? Yeah, Lundqvist isn't going to fall apart. No, no. Way. he's and, the best goalie of his generation. And I can I can fully understand why if you get there and you just look at the numbers and you go what's going on here? Why is it that, you know, they're just making the most of the chances that they're getting? Um, you could expect some sort of regression, but they're not winning. It's, it's not like the Ducks last year who were winning 2-1 games. The Rangers are winning 3-1 or 4-2 or whatever. That's why their goal differential is so large. They're winning, in, they're winning games by a couple of goals. It's not just one goal losses, one goal wins, one goal losses, one goal wins. So it'll be it, that'll be an interesting case study in regards to when they regress back. Like, what are you expecting to go wrong for them to have them start losing games? Well, they're they're trading scoring chances in the negative right now. For starters, having less scoring chances than the other team will impact your ability to score goals yourself. Yep. Uh, Lundqvist can make up for some of that, but some of that by not giving up as many. But you're still, when the shooting percentage drops off, you're still not generating as much as the other team. No, that well, that's true. So basically, where I'm pulling this information from is uh, Caroline Wilkie's Twitter account, and she she does really nice, very easy to read graph work. Where I'm looking at her chart right now. And up in the upper left-hand corner, New York Rangers are by themselves. And, and the color code there says bad and lucky. That's who's in, the, who's in the opposite corner, which is... Good and unlucky? Actually, what, are, what, are the four, what are the four quadrants? Upper left is bad and unlucky. Mm-hmm. Lower left is... Or I'm sorry, did I say bad, lucky, upper left? You did. Okay. Lower left, bad, unlucky. Yep. And that would be Anaheim right now. Their their scoring chances. Okay, that makes sense. Are at about forty seven ish, forty seven and a half percent, and they they have a low PDO. Uh, upper right hand corner, good and lucky. Nashville is the. There's no. Put it this way, there's really nobody that's as extreme as the the Rangers. Yep. So Nashville's kind of good and lucky, but they're. They have 54% of the scoring chances. So, I mean... There's the difference. And their PDO is only like 10-20, so it's like not absurd. Um, What's the Rangers PDO, just quickly? The what? What's the Rangers PDO? 
over 1060. Jesus. Okay. All right. So this is this is the whole. This is a really good example of of combining numbers to try and gather some context in regards to what's going on. It's it's like of all these numbers that you've just thrown out, was it the PDO that you looked at and thought this isn't sustainable? How do I find out why it's not? Well, I just kind of looked like, at the chart that, yeah. and and I was just looking at teams that were complete outliers, and the Rangers were like the further and. You know, I know the record's really good. I know that the last few years they've been a good team. And when mm-hmm. I saw them under the bad lucky column, I was like, well, wait wait a second here. It's wrong here. Yep. And they're not generating the scoring chances that you would think. And, yes, I looked at PDO, and any time, and I've, we've already said this, any time I see PDO with the Rangers, I'm like, well, Yes, of course. It's going to be higher than most teams because the goaltending part. But they're so far above and beyond. It's not a Lundqvist thing. There's there's other things at play here. The shooting percentage, obviously. And then on uh, the complete opposite end in the, the, the last quadrant, lower right-hand corner, you have good, unlucky, and you have Buffalo and L.A. Buffalo is actually playing good hockey this year. That doesn't surprise me for a couple of reasons. You've got talent with a coach that provides an environment for uh, good players to play well, but bad players to play above what you would expect. That's what Bilesmer is. He's very, very good at dragging players that aren't NHL level up to be NHL level, but he does put a little bit of a ceiling on what the superstars can do in regards to tearing up the league. So uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, St. Louis is right at 1,000 PDO, but they have the most scoring chance percentage. So St. Louis is just good. Not lucky just, or unlucky, they're just good. They're right they're on that a- line. So, oh, I know. Good and unlucky, believe it or not, Carolina. Their PDO, yeah, their PDO is 940. <laughs> That makes sense. They've got Cam Ward and the Stalls can never seem to score a goal when they need to. So they're actually playing well. Yeah. 52% of the scoring chances and a 940 PDO. And here they are once again in the Metropolitan and they're dead last. Even Columbus and, has passed them. And they just lost to Toronto in overtime. They have minus they 19 score. goal differential. I mean... They can't score to save their life at the moment. It's as simple as that. They had seven periods in a row where they hadn't had a forward score a goal. <laughs> That's with Eric and Jordan Stall on the team. And whilst Jordan Stall is not an offensive phenom by any stretch of the imagination, someone like that should be scoring more often than he is. Good or bad lines. The most obvious thing here is they need to trade Eric Stahl. And Cam Ward. But Ward's on moving. I mean, geez, of course, but Eric Stahl may get them something. Yes, that's... You see, you put that asterisk on the end of it, that's much better, yes. Wow, the roster's dog shit. As far as, like, they may be playing okay, but, like, why do I want to watch that team? 
You don't. That's the that's uh, John Forslund. That's why you'll watch them. Okay, that's fair. But <laughs> Trip Tracy, not so much. But John Forslund, you'll be watching just to hear that voice. He's awesome. But I love Jordan Stahl, but I'm not tuning into a game solely for him. Jeff no, Skinner's I, I, not the guy that I'm making appointment television viewing. No, I mean Nathan Gerby plays big minutes for them. Why, why do I want to watch that? It'll be interesting to see what Ron Francis does with that team. I don't know what there is to do. Trade Eric Stahl. That's it. Yeah. Trade Jordan while you're at it, too. Trade him all to the Rangers. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. But honestly, <laughs> I mean, whatever. I'm not. I don't There's, know. I guess know, I don't. I guess I don't look at the roster all that often. I'm looking at it right now, and I'm just like shaking my head here. <laughs> One of the things that I don't like, just looping back to looping back to the Rangers for a sec. Um, we had that whole season where Colorado rode the PDA train and they made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. We had the same thing happen last year with. Calgary. They haven't been able to replicate it again this year. They're struggling a little bit. Even though they made changes to the roster that I have to admit, I thought would help that fall off be smaller than it it currently has been, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. are the Rangers just going to ride this for the year? It seems to feel like teams sort of catch a bug for a better way of putting it and things just seem to click and go together well. And that's where it all sort of works. Well, the Rangers are should be a good team in their own right, even without this. Yes, so, no, I agree with that altogether. Yep. I my prediction will be their shooting percentage will drop off, but their scoring chances percentage will improve. That's my guess. Okay. So they'll keep trucking along. Yeah. And if they don't, Lundqvist will keep stopping pucks. And that, that's that's the thing with a guy like Lundqvist where um, I'd put, you know, Pekka Rune or Carey Price in the, in the same thing. They cover up so many issues for a team throughout the year. There'll be different issues. It won't be the same problems, but they're able to, to allow a team time to fix problems but still win games. And that breathing room is really handy for coaching staff because they can tinker with stuff and try things. And I think that's really important. That'll be uh, fun to track. Oh, most definitely, yeah. Well, I suppose sticking uh, in the division, we'll do our weekly Penguin segment. Before we move... Before we move deeply into the Penguins segment, we haven't really, we've not discussed the Marta hit since it happened, have we? No. No. So I think everyone who listens to the podcast knows both our opinions in regards to how to fix stuff like that. But I don't think it's going to change unless the general managers legitimately get on board and say, well, this can't continue to happen. Because if you've got the general manager of a team that just had, you know, one of these 
any defenseman on that Penguins roster at the moment is an important player because of how bad they play back there. You lose Marta for a month for a hit that legitimately did not even have to occur, happened, not even get a penalty on the play for two minutes for what he did, just goes to show you that nothing's going to change from the Department of Player Safety if the teams are not on board with it. And I trash the hell out of the Department of Player Safety, but maybe their hands are tied. The, the door opening part of it is independent from the shove with the puck nowhere in the t- television screen. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a hockey play. Ignore ignore the fact that Marta got injured on the play, which is difficult to do because that's usually what the Department of Player Safety hinged their suspensions on. Now, he didn't have to even make... he. Niederreiter couldn't have had his arms further away from his body to make the hit to begin with. It's on the board, so it's already close to a dangerous play as it is. And Niederreiter showed absolutely no remorse at the time of the hit happening because he just stepped over Marder and walked off the ice. So he even said it himself, Niederreiter, after the game, oh, I pushed him. But there's no need to make contact there. There's The only effect of doing what Niederreiter did on that play was to either, one, slow him down, which is interference anyway, or two, put him in a situation where he might get hurt. This is a league that's wondering why they can't score freaking goals at the moment. Here's one of the reasons why. And it's not even about scoring goals. It's about creating scoring chances. I don't care if I watch a one-zip game if there's been 20 scoring chances and the goaltenders have played out of their brains. But if you give me a game where it's like 4-3... It's been a slugfest through the neutral zone and all the pucks have gone in off skates or off shin pads or off asses. Try and tell me that that's going to drag in a, a neutral fan or a, a freaking someone that doesn't know anything about the sport. It won't. Nope, it won't. And Nita Ryder's like, well, that play happens 500 times a game. Well, you know, that's that's kind of the problem there, guy. And he's not... That, that's, you're right. He's, he's right. But that doesn't mean that it should continue that way. Just because it happens doesn't mean that it should be that way. So All this medical talk of changing goalie equipment and changing freaking the equipment of, you know, and the goals, it's like, why? Just call the game like it was back in 2005-06 and you'll find that people will be able to score again. But I... That's not a hockey play at all. It's just not... And no fine, no nothing, and it's like, all right, I can see why the concussion lawsuit's coming down the pipeline. Hey, no, it is a hockey play. He finished his check, a check that wasn't there. It's the same thing with the whole goddamn Latang and Doan thing from last year. That puck was long gone. There was absolutely no need for there to be any body contact whatsoever. And yet he comes, skates straight into Latang, pushes him straight into the boards. So the NHL has to make up its mind. You, Dion Phaneufa laid out a couple of really, really good body checks today against Carolina. They were clean. They were away from the boards in that the player hit the ice before he hit the boards, and they were physical. And you get there and go, they're the sorts of hits you want to see. You don't want to see guys getting slammed up against the boards because the puck's on the boards. You want to see skaters skating through the middle of the ice and have a defenseman have the balls to actually make a hit properly through the shoulder or through the chest, knock the guy off the puck. Because the objective of hitting is to get the puck 
or to physically intimidate. Now, if you want to physically intimidate someone, you've got to make sure you do it cleanly. And Fanouf, give him all the credit in the world, as much as he gets picked on, I don't think I've ever seen him lay a big hit that's been illegal. And hasn't really been discussed much at all. Sid, Sid was elbowed in the head by uh, McLeod. See, now I had the bonus of I had the bonus of seeing your tweet, then trying to watch the game, and I ended up watching the Avalanche coverage. Could not see where he got hit in the head with the elbow. Was it along the boards when the penalty penalties were given to Hornquist? Um, I tweeted the gift from my regular face. So I'm assuming it was on the on the root broadcast. They would have brought it up over and over and over. Because the Avs broadcast just didn't even mention that it happened. Yeah, and I'll, I have to admit, I'll give the Avs broadcast credit. Boy, did they talk up Malkin, and boy, did they talk up Latang. Boy, did they talk up Fleury and Crosby. Yeah. Like, it's not like the Penguins broadcast, where it's just downplay everything else anyone else on another team does. Um, they did a really good job of actually trying to get everyone to know for the Colorado broadcast, how good these guys are. So I might not like their production crew, but the commentators, nice work. So now that we've got our pitching out of the way of that cheap shot. Sorry. What's first on the topics? How do you fill Marta's hole? Oh, that sounded wrong. All right. Want to rephrase that? Uh, how do you replace Marta's position in the lineup? Is that better? Uh, well, obviously Adam Clendenning is is the candidate there, and in their first game or in his uh, first game back, right? Was it the first game? Yeah, first game back, Marta got hurt. He, he played quite well with Ian Cole. They were the two best possession guys on the team for that night. Yep. Uh, Ian Cole at 81.8%. Clendenning at 71.4%. And Clendenning generated, not individually, but 20 shot attempts towards Colorado's net. That's a pretty good night for 13 minutes of game action. That actually is pretty good. Um, one of one of the things I do want to know is shot suppression. Pittsburgh is terrible at it at the moment. Yep. What's your theory behind fixing that problem in regards to how did Pittsburgh stop giving up so many shots? The coach is so worried about defending, playing two hundred feet, that he forgot that in the modern era, the best defense is having it and pushing it forward. Did he forget that, or does he understand that he only has one competent puck-moving defenseman at the moment that's got confidence to do anything, and the other five just sort of try to get by? So it's not like last year where you had where you had Latang and Martin. But here's Brilliant. the thing. They played with only 5D at the end of last year, and they didn't have this problem. So They're why is pretty good. 
So why – and this this is the thing. Pittsburgh are really fortunate at the moment. They're not like Anaheim and they're not like Columbus where this team, to everybody that watches it nightly, is not playing to the potential that everyone seems to think that could. However, you did bring up the point that the back six could be a problem in regards to getting the puck to the forwards to do what they need to do to be successful. It's proved that way. But it feels as though the coaching staff haven't even thought about maybe – putting people in positions to succeed, rather they've put people in positions to not fail. And I hope that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Adam Clendenning only playing in three games this year is, seems extremely foolish. If you go to, if you type in Mike Johnston coaching philosophy and pull up his Portland Winterhawks page, there's like a whole thesis on what he, his coaching philosophies and, all of it seems to fly in the face of what they're doing this year. Okay, so you get there and look at it that way and you go, you know, you hear the old conspiracy theory is that they're playing Skidari so they can push up his V so they can just get rid of him and not have his salary on the on the roster at all. Right. I don't so, think that at all. That's one of the things that have floated out there. The other I one is... I think he's competent. How? How can this club, this franchise, who have just gone and grabbed... One of the good analytical minds that weren't already wrapped up whoa, by whoa, whoa. a club. I, I don't mean to interrupt. But go, 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 go. They hired Sam Ventura, who's a very smart person. He can pass along recommendations till he's blue in the face. But if they don't act on him, I mean... Now, that's my point, that... You can you pay put, for input, but you don't act yeah, on it. I mean, they're, that's exactly I, my point. So you get there and you make the assumption that they listen to him with the Eric Fur signing, um, with the Suda trade, and you get there and you go. Well, so you, what are the you you think maybe? Yes, you don't know. But None of you us get know. There, you see the positive reaction to having better depth in the lineup. How? The hell does this just not? I'm just baffled by it in that sense. In the, yeah, they've got they've it's got a safety you know, blanket for who the general manager that doesn't believe in this garbage because apparently he had Carmonis that was on it anyway. Well, that's the thing that I just I do not get. I just don't understand. Like the thing with the Dallas Stars is their their back six is not great defensively anyway, but they know that. They understand that. So they just go all out attack and go, screw it. We'll win a 6-5 game. We don't care. Yeah, Pittsburgh I love the stars. feels stars. like Pittsburgh at the moment feel like to me like Dallas, uh, like Washington were two years They're ago. They're Dallas denial. Well, yeah. But it's like when they tried to change the Washington Capitals to something they're not. Yes. Bruce Boudreaux was sabotage either by goaltending or uh, a low PDO of shooting percentage at the time. But they still haven't hit that level. No. Not yet. And they that's where they change been. Alex Ovechkin. That has to be one of the funniest things. Like yep. ancient philosophy. Oh, and you, you, need, you need to play a more complete game. Oh, I'm sorry. You, Are these 60 goals not freaking good enough every year? Yeah, and you you look at Ted Leonsis, who you know is as big as Alexander Ovechkin fan as possible, allowed his general manager before he got rid of him to try and change him. 
So it just shows you how much of an old boys club it is that still floats around. You know, luckily enough for Washington, they've changed general manager, they've changed coaches, and they look fantastic. They've got holes like every other team has holes in, in its roster, but at, at least they're trying to play to the strengths of that roster. This team is not. And you can see the frustration on Sid's face, but you can see the frustration on Malkin's face when he took over that Colorado game in massive patches, but still couldn't find the finish for it. They scored four goals, and they needed the four because of the the fact that Cleary gave up three again. So maybe they are starting to work it out a little bit, but unless unless the general manager can help out, well, the problem the coach, with that is Colorado's the shittiest. I know. So it's like, yeah, they scored four, but... You know what I mean? Hey, take it, as, take it as a win. They scored four. For a team that has struggled to score... Well, I don't care who they score them against. No, no, but you, you said maybe they've turned a corner, and I'm saying it was good. But yeah. let's, let's see if they can do it against the Sharks uh, tonight. Tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's a good point. Um, Let's see if they can do it against the St. Louis Blues on Wednesday. Hey, it's really funny. The last few years, Pittsburgh have done really, really well against the West, right? This is true. And the West West particularly has been the better conference of the two. It'll be interesting to see whether that pans out again this year because at the moment, the way Pittsburgh are playing, they feel like a bit of a bully. They'll beat up on the bad teams. Well, the teams that are playing badly at the time when they come through Pittsburgh or Pittsburgh go to their city, but they can't beat the good teams that are dedicated as good teams at the time. So it'll be interesting to see whether they are just, you know, big bullies that beat up on um, bad teams or whether they can actually... Oh, they beat Nashville. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Minnesota's 10-5. and five. Yeah, but they were missing freaking Parisi when they played them. Uh, fair point. And that's the thing. Play, you said it earlier in the year. You've got to put some of these wins and losses into context. And they did score four goals against Colorado, but it was Colorado. You know? You get there and they lost at the start of the year to Dallas and Montreal. They're the two best teams in each conference. And they had to play Dallas twice in, which you know, twice in, what was it, two weeks? They don't have to see Dallas again for the rest of the year. Which so, I'm, I'm actually disappointed. About. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Look, they need to fix that. Everybody should play each other at least twice, twice at home and twice away. But you know, old school thought processes. Um, so I don't think you can. Why not? Well, it might not be enough for games. Yeah. Right there. All right, I'll take that. I'm not even going to try and do the math on that. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Is, is Sid's lack of possession production him and his line mates dragging each other down, or is it just his line mates dragging Sid down? He's got to own some of it, but... Um, How much? Well, that's that's a great question. I don't, I don't particularly subscribe to the theory that he's significantly a worse player this year 
So but he's, not, he's not looked like the normal Sydney Crosby that I'm used to watching. I know that. Doesn't seem to win as many puck battles along the boards. Seems to give up a little bit easier when he's trying to split the D because he's sick of getting held and clutched onto. All those little things that separated him from others seems to happen less frequently. That That's all. Like, well, yeah, his lights haven't been great in particular areas, but they're the, the little things that sort of separated him from the rest. Well, 28 out of his prime. I know I get I, I get tweets and comments all the time that out of his prime. Yeah, out of his prime. Four this is true. Prime There's is no 24, 25. Yep. So he's going to start doing those really super special things less consistently. What do you class as the really super special things that he's well, doing? We were just less talking about splitting the D and being super aggressive. Yep. No, this is why I can't do that. I think that stuff needs well, to be Well, he can current. do it, but he can't. Like, he made it look There's easier all... than it was. Yeah. And although I have to admit, that goal that he scored against Colorado showed that it's not his hands that's the problem. To be able to collect the bouncing puck with guys still on him and then obviously open up the five-hole to go backhand against Red Obera, whose five-on-five safe percentage is out of his world, um, shows that his hands are fine. So, so it'll be really interesting to see how they get him in situations that for him to succeed more often. All right. So example from Colorado game. He's behind the net. He's doing the spins. He's shaking the guy like three and four times, right? Yeah. Where's his support? Well, Hornquist was camping out the front of the net, if I remember correctly, but where's yes. the guy? Okay, but go back to your first uh, guy there. Horny. He's a little one-dimensional in the sense that where do you always find him? Oh, no, I agree with that. In You're front exactly. of the net, which yep. at times is exactly where you want him, but it's you also have to support. And I don't see so it that often. In that situation with Sid doing all of all of that behind the net, he's the net fuck front presence, right? So he's got to be there at a particular point in time, but obviously not all the time. As a coach, where would you want Hornquist to, to be to create support? Do you want him higher up in the zone, skating down to allow there to be a pass to him? Well, or Sid like, doesn't have to do the three and four spins. spins? No, I agree it with that. It could just be this a is... basic cycle where Sid gets to curl off into the slot sometimes too. Bit hard to do that if you've got seventy two plonked in front of the net. You've got nowhere to go. No, that's what I'm saying. You need yeah. support that's, that's not always okay, Sid has it. I'm gonna to go to the front of that and somehow he's going to get it there. Well, some nights Sid's gonna get it there. But it's not gonna be as consistently a solo effort as it used to be. He needs puck support more now as he's aging into his twilight of being the best player in the league because if it, if he, you know, that might be over with now. There's some really great players, young players in the league now. He may, we've, we may have seen the last of him as the best in the league. I don't want to emphatically say that because I don't want to doubt that guy. <laughs> but 
it's coming. Yeah, but we've we've all known this. It's, it's I don't think things. everybody does grasp that. Really? <laughs> Honestly, you don't see the stuff I get. I think I'm glad that I don't. It's one of those things where no one can be great for their entire career if you play a long time. Gretzky had it. You look at you look at Jeremy Jaeger. He's not Jeremy Jaeger from 1995, but he's still a damn good hockey player. Murray and Crosby, Crosby is going to be a damn good hockey player for a long time, but he's not going to be Sidney Crosby before he had his neck injury. Uh, that's frustrating. Yeah. Um, but back to the, the line mate thing. Um, so I don't mean to place this on all on Hornquist. I was just pointing out one example of where maybe no, there yeah. needs to be a little bit more support. Pascal Dupuis is playing like dog shit. <laughs> and that needs to be said. Probably unpopular opinion amongst uh, a lot of Penguin fans considering uh, how well-liked he is and what he's it gone through to come back. It shows you the benefit of being a nice person in regards to um, getting the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> yeah, but I don't doubt he's an awesome person. I just hockey standpoint he's the worst possession guy on the team and he's being gifted top minutes left wing minutes yep. when he's coming back from a really serious ailment and then he was hurt on a non-related ailment for five weeks to start the year or whatever how long and yep. he's in the 30s for like he's got Zach Sill possession numbers <laughs> Is is that the new is that the new gauge Crosby to Zach Sill, or should that now be Tyler Sake Zach Sill? Well, fair point, but <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying. Like he's got yeah, three no, points yeah. on the year, yeah. and in contrast, Daniel Sprung. And let me just say, I don't think he's playing that well either. And then people are upset that he's being scratched. I don't have a problem with that, but. If you're going to keep Dupuis on the top line and scratch Sprong, when Sprong has um, one less, or I think they have the same amount of goals, two, not a lot, uh, played, <laughs> played similar amount of games, yeah. and Sprong is a 45% score-adjusted Fenwick player, and Dupuis is 43-ish. Um, I mean, come on. Is there a double standard here? Is it veteran, yes. rookie? Like... Yes, there's a double standard here. You know there's a double standard here, and there always is in this situation. We, we, we all know that. The fans know that. doesn't mean that the coaching staff don't know it, but they still run with the double standard. It's the whole Clendinning Scuderi double standard. It's, it's, that's just the reality of it. And it's the same reality of them refusing to bring Pouliot up because they don't want to rush him quote-unquote, um, when in reality, they don't trust the youth. Worofsky's young to the NHL, but he's not young to professional hockey. Oh, whatever. I don't, I don't know. No, but that's that's my point. They've bought him. It's just, you know. He's not going to play. They've got, they've got options, Pittsburgh, inside the system to improve what's going on with the back end. And you could actually see it once they put Marta with Latang, both looked better. Um, yeah, now you got Cole Clendenning. Uh, one game, one game against a bad team. But let's see where that goes. 
What if yeah. that starts to look good? Yeah, easy. You then just bring Pouliot up, put him in Marta's spot, and sit Scuderi and wait until Marta comes back. But it's just not going to happen. Sorry, <laughs> I, hit the, I hit the table. I'm glad you did, because if I hit mine, I think my computer would go. It's I agree. Not no, and, and it's one of those things where Pittsburgh are lucky at the moment in that they've been winning games that they have not been playing particularly great in. Fleury has actually given this team time to try different things, have them break and fail, try something else, have it half succeed, move forward. You know what I mean? They're really like not they're trying dro- too many different things. No, they're not. But it's the whole old school mentality. Slowly but surely, they do try something different. They played three or four games in a row with players in certain positions and then moved them around. Really? This team- Bennett got bumped off the top line very in quick order. And I just... Look at their D pairings. Their D pairings are the ones that they stuck with. They've worked out, they've not worked, and they've not gone back to Colin Latang. Right? So they understand that that's no, not working. Gone with Skid Harry. They won't, yeah, but they won't go back to Colin Latang. Okay? So they've done that for 20 games, and it's, it was terrible. We fully understand that. If they go back to that, then everything I'm saying right now is pointless. But they've at least tried stuff. One of the complaints I remember I had, and I think a lot of fans had with Bilesma, is that he had his system, he had his players that he liked to play certain things in the system, and that was it. He had no variation in what he does. At least the coaching staff here have tried something, it failed, and it failed badly, and they at least changed it. And you could see, you could see a positive result from the change straight away in regards to the way the players looked on the ice. Marta's numbers didn't really improve when he was playing with Latang to what he was doing when he was playing with Scuderi, but Latang's numbers improved mm-hmm. and looked a hell of a lot better because of it. So if they showed that kind of persistence with the forwards, which would be great, I like you said, they didn't with Bennett, um, it would be really good to see them throw players in positions at the moment, give them a crack, see how it works. They've got breathing room. Even if they do go on a four or five game skid, they're not going to fall out of the playoff race. And this team, I have a feeling that if this team needs Sid to turn it on with 20 games to go, he will. Well, their next two games are tough. Yeah, they are. They're not easy. But a required test to see where everyone is on the roster and what they're doing in the roles they're given. Um. Is the chainsaw guy okay? I heard sirens. Well, no, I think we're good. <laughs> heard some sirens. I, haven't heard, I didn't hear a scream, so it's not him. The sirens are for. All right. I do, I do live. I do live in a condensed, populous area, people. I At don't the live very in the least. Middle, I don't live out him, in the middle. Of make him give us a, a positive review on iTunes. <laughs> Oh, that would be funny. the neighborly thing to do. <laughs> All right, actually, something I did want to discuss. Is this Gino Machino's Timo? <laughs> um, sure. It's always been him and Sid. It has. I don't I don't get the split thing at all. Yeah, I get you right. Yeah, yeah. I I've never understood the desire to pit them against each other and pick a side or here's the beautiful thing about Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. If you are viewing it from a penguin penguin centric viewpoint, you have them both. It's it's fucking awesome. 
I still can't get right? over the fact you understood it. It's been simple. It's been Canada v. Russia. It's simple as that. No. It's as simple as it's fucking awesome to have them both, and Gino's playing great right now, and Sid eventually, I think, will pick it up and, and join him in that, and maybe Malkin goes through uh, a little bit what? of a valley, peak and valley kind of thing, because all NHL players are streaky. Maybe not on a possession front, but from tangible offensive front. He's looked... It, what was I think what was great for me about the Colorado game was he came out and made those comments after the New Jersey game. Obviously lost in translation a little bit. Not misquoted, just his English is what it is and didn't quite get it out the way he wanted. Just came out, 4.9, no worries. I don't just know, I just think... I bet you they are mad at each other. I've been on teams where you, you, yeah, know, no, I, you, I, you don't dislike each other, You're, you, but it's okay. everybody's been in a family. You, you get mad at your family members. Yeah. It doesn't mean you don't love them or like them. The way I read the quotes being interpreted was that everyone hates each other in the room, and that wasn't the point. Well, I didn't get was, it from that. I didn't get that from that. Because I, I think you're right. Malkin's right. People are frustrated because we know we should be getting better and doesn't feel like we are. It makes perfect sense to me. I fully understand that whole point. Everything you just said about playing in a team sport, you are going to get mad because you're underperforming. And I'm sure all of those forwards feel like they're underperforming. Yeah, he said nothing wrong and... What he said was true, and then the next game, like you said, he had four points. So he looks, he looks awesome. out there at the moment. the The physical battles he had with Eric Johnson and his ability to still do something on an empty an empty tank. After all, you just get there and just go, yeah, okay. He's not he's not a normal human being, you know. It's sort of Jeremy Yeager like or. You know who are like Trish Chelios, like guys that just had tanks that could just keep going and going and going until they got off the ice, and then could come back thirty seconds later for the next hut for the next shift. So it's just it's feel very lucky as a Pittsburgh fan that you're getting to watch um, Mario Junior Junior. Yeah, um, because you know people want to trade him. You know what I was excited about. Hmm. Um, he scored power play goals in back-to-back games, and they were both bombs on a one-timer, which, you know, if you follow my Twitter feed at all, every time they go on a power play, (laughs) all I ask is that they feed Gino multiple one-timers every time. Like, he, he's not as good as Alex Ovechkin as far as the shooting thing, because I'm not sure anybody in the history of the game has been as good as Alex Ovechkin with the shooting thing. But it should be the same concept. Figure out a way to open up that look so he can shoot. And yep. it just never seems to be their, like, number one go-to intention. But for I, the last two games, they figured it out. He's I might bombed them. And, um, I, I think and, there are times they do give it to him, but he just doesn't shoot it. And he should. Well, they don't open up shooting lanes for him, is what I mean. There are times yeah. that Alex Ovechkin can't shoot it either. But yeah, they that's do a true. better job of opening that up for him. Yep, that's true. Um, Andy Smith, a uh, friend of our podcast, uh, from the Garage League podcast, 
uh, sent me a thing because I had, I had said I'm so happy that he had back-to-back games with power play goals, and he said it, it looks like it's been about a year since Gino scored power so that's, play that's goals in, in consecutive that, games. That is an indictment on the penalty on the power play and the power play system that that's the case. So 11-24-14, 11-26-14 were the back-to-back power play goals. That's terrible. I mean, yeah, his shot's so good. And it doesn't even have to be the one-timer. There's other ways he can score, too. It it does feel like they're starting to work it out a little bit, though, in that they realize they can't pass it to Kessel to shoot a one-timer. They realize they've got to put it in a spot for him to curl and shoot, upon which he's getting better at doing, as in... He was always brilliant at doing that, but he's getting better at getting himself into a position to take the pass and curl and force the defender to move to either pass it or shoot it. Um, I think we'll we'll find in the latter half of the year they'll have that knuckled down. Um, even though teams not, it's like the whole Ovechkin thing. Everyone knows the puck's going to Ovechkin. You still can't stop it from happening, and you still can't stop the release. Yeah, so because everyone, if you overcommit. The other four guys are willing to make you pay by shooting. Yeah, and, and and that might be the one thing that Letang needs to do is just get into the zone, which he's great at doing, although he struggled a little year. bit. Year. No, that's right. But he traditionally has been great at getting into the zone. He needs to just get into the zone, not wait for everyone to get set in their positions on the freaking chalkboard, just shoot, and then have everyone react. That was the one thing with the Colorado game. Letang shot... There's a rebound, and then everybody just reacted and played off instinct rather than thought process. And Kessel broke his stick when he was going for the tap-in on the back end of the goal. So Yeah, that was a beautiful sequence, and it was all generated by that shot. It created chaos. The Penguins won the, the loose puck battle, and you had some scrambling PK guys in Pittsburgh with the talent they did. Finally, you know, were able to work some lanes and, you know, stick broke, whatever. But they got yeah. it back, and then Gino laid the hammer down on yeah. that puck. But it's one of those things where it comes from Latang releasing a shot on that that forces a rebound. Simple wrist shot, if I recall. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't. He didn't. Yeah, and he's he needs to remember his job's not to score on the power play, but to to start the process of a goal happening. And if he starts to shoot at the net for that purpose, rather than he wants to try and get it top corner they probably are going to be a little bit better off. It's the one thing I'll give Derek Pouliot full credit for last year. He would just shoot, and it would hit the net, forcing a, forcing a save, and then Niskanen good things... always would, hit the net. Yeah, and, and it's one of those things where Niskanen might have had his detractors for X, Y, and Z, but the positives from A to freaking M outweigh those X, Y, and Zs. And, and being able to hit the net and force a rebound is essential to a good power play. And and the high school hockey season has started for me, and we've started doing some of the team-oriented stuff now that we have everybody back. And working on the power play, I'm just like, stop winding up, walk that blue line, create your shooting lane, and just let a wrister go, get it through the, um, you know, the frontier of shot blockers. And just get it down there and let the chaos sort itself out. And we're doing, they're doing a nice job of getting some shots through and creating you just, that chaos. 
you want to trust your teammates that you you create the chaos, they'll finish it. Well, I'm stressing to them because at first, the first, you know, early in the year, getting acclimated again, you got to break some habits. Maybe it developed over the off season. They were the D were trying to shoot to score, and I'm like, you don't need to do that from back here because it's not realistic. I go just shoot it to get it through. Let let the bulldogs in front do the work. Tip screen whatever. Just gotta get are it through. These, are these guys looking for college careers? Um, some. And that's going to be your problem, isn't it? They want to get noticed. So, what's more noticeable? A good shot from okay. I'll preface this by going. I think I know the answer. But if you're there and you let out a booming slap shot that breaks the glass and no one's been coming to watch you, yet your teammate is there just getting shots on net and creating offensive chances for your team, what's going to get noticed more by a scout that's never heard of you before? Well, I'm not so sure how many scouts are at our games. But... <laughs> you know, you get the point that I'm making? Yeah, I do. But I, I have a... I'm just stressing the basics that I, 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 my Your same criticisms of the NHL team. I, I, my I, point I hold is, true to those when I'm coaching others. Yeah, your basics are fine. There's nothing wrong with your basics. It's it's how it's one how an NHL team looks at it, and it's two how the hell does a, a young kid who goes I want to get noticed trust someone? Do you know what I mean? Like it's really it's really hard to get that message across and go yeah, this but, is yeah, for, no, this no. is good for you. Those kids aren't thinking about it like that at all. Oh, cool. That's great. It's how can we win? <laughs> if that's how they're thinking, then that's fine. Yeah, we don't. These kids don't. No. They're not thinking about that stuff. It's, yeah, hey, that's great. What, what play do I need to make here? Oh, okay, this makes sense. Let's try to execute it better. That's simple and better. It's, it's, it's yes, it is. As long as Simple's not dumping the puck in. That drives me insane. It's all right. Go be an advisor for the Colorado Avalanche. I watched Eric Johnson carry the puck all the way to the blue line and then dump it in. He dumped it in when he had the blue line on the power play. Well, there, there's... Did he wrap it around to another guy? No, because to me that's that's as good as a pass. No, no, no. I know what you mean. I, and it, it that was what stuck it because he did that a couple of times because yeah, they did okay. have so he just dumped pipe. it in. He just dumped it into the corner, tried to chase it down himself. He had no support on the power play. He was on his own. But and you was get he the, pinched and, off. What do you mean by was he pinched off? Did he have to? I mean, sometimes, no, sometimes no. you have to. No, 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 no. He, so he wasn't had free passage and... He, yeah, he got to the line. He, he actually got the puck over the line and then chipped it and then chased the chip. And he was never going to win that race. I think it was Letang that beat him to it. He was never going to win that race getting to that puck. No. And you just go, he, I don't think he would normally do that unless he's told to do it. To be honest, I think he would get to the zone. He would curl. Um, he would wait for his line mates to get across the line and maybe dump to the other corner as a pass, like you were saying before with the wraparound. But I just saw it a couple of times and just went, "No, nah, I'm sorry. That's he's been. They've been told to do that. 
Man, that would drive me crazy. And you look at the talent on that team. Why would you not want their top six forwards and, and and Johnson and Barry to have the puck? Why would you even give the possibility that the other team could take the puck away by dumping it? Particularly when you've got the extra man. Although you did just remind me of something. Talking about the power play. Yeah. Colorado's, that is. Um, Hockey Mish of the Pens blog, I believe, tweeted out, Penguins have given up a power play goal each of the last six games. Six games, yeah. So I was thinking, okay, is Flurry slipping? And, you know... Technically speaking, he always was going to because of how hard yeah. he started the year. But um, it's not quite as easy as that. They are the third worst team in shot suppression on the penalty kill. So not only do they suck at even strength at that, they, they're terrible killing penalties. It's one of those things. It's the old John Tortorella quote, safe is death, right? And I think I think that holds true for this particular sport. If you've got the cojones to go out and try to win rather than try not to lose, I think in the end you end up winning out. And it's probably been one of the things about Chicago and LA that, that has been impressive is that they've been gutsy enough to try and win games when they matter as opposed to let's just let the other team make a mistake and we'll win off that. And I and I know this isn't the primary goal of a penalty kill, but they're the fourth worst team at generating shot attempts. Yeah, but the thing is, though, if you can generate shots, you, you, you're you not having the shots against. So they go hand in hand. I, I get what you're saying there. Like no, you can I'm, be great. I'm thinking along the lines of earlier in the year, we saw a lot of Malkin on it doing some nice things, and I don't recall a lot of that lately. No, he's not been on. He's not been on the penalty kill a lot. Eric Fair came back, scored a couple of shorties, um, but the the whole penalty kill itself has not looked as aggressive. It feels like they've they've retreated a little bit, um, and they don't press as hard to force the issue. So it was quite obviously early in the year. It was successful for a couple of reasons. One, they were aggressive. Two, Fleury was 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 playing really well. Fleury is still playing really well. I think they've dropped off dropped off on their aggressiveness. If they can be a little bit more aggressive in their puck pursuit all over and they either get a two-on-one chance or if they don't, they dump it and swap their forwards straight away. Because if you get there and you start with Cullen and Fair as your first pairing of forwards, if they can't if they can't win the puck and get a shot, when the puck's down the other end of the, the ice, put one of Sid and Gino on, just swing them on. And that whole penalty kill changes attitude straight away because they've already got half a chance with, with just Fair and Cullen on. Oh, look out, they've got Crosby on. Or oh, look out, they've got Gino on. The the power play players will have to think about that. And they've stopped doing that. You're right, Gino's not been on the penalty kill at all. I liked it. Well, so did the team. that They weren't getting shots against they're leaning too much on them in other areas, so I can half understand it. No, that bank that that's a really, really good argument. But they can't keep they can't keep relying on Fleury to give Lundquist esque numbers when he's not done that over the course of his career. Hopefully he ha- this is his career year, you know what I mean? 
but you can't rely on that being the case. Yeah. I feel like there's something I'm forgetting. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Let me have a look and see what we decided we were going to discuss. No, I think penguins related. I just, there's always something rattling around my mind. Nah, whatever. Nah, I think we've, I think we've covered it all off. Yeah, I think we've gone quite a bit today. <laughs> Whoops. Um... Yeah, there's no. I don't. I don't think there's anything else hockey-wise to say. Um, it does feel like there are more penalties being called at the moment. I don't know whether you've noticed that watching other games besides Pittsburgh games. Does that feel like that to you? I feel like I've seen a few more power plays. Don't know if it's. We'll see. Hopefully, it's a trend that continues. Well, this is the thing. I kind of hope it doesn't continue. I kind of hope that the penalties. Uh, end up being called less, but five on five scoring goes up. Yeah, but you still you, you you have to get them called a lot before that happens. So yeah, no, no, you, your argument you, your argument's right. I suppose all that matters really is what the fuck they call in the goddamn playoffs, because we all know it's an absolute freaking grind when you try to win sixteen games to win the cup, and it's because the officials don't want to affect the result. But if you've got a team designed on skill and speed and you can't use either of those things. Well, the officials are affecting the game just as much as, as calling them. So the NHL needs to work out what kind of entertainment product it wants to be and what's going to attract more people to it. And I don't think bump and grind is really going to be it. The NBA worked that out after the, after the 90s. It went bump and grind for about five or six years and they changed the way the rules were made. And look at it now. Oh, I know. There's just one last thing. Oh, yep. Paul Martin. No. <laughs> Can't wait. I hope he plays well, but I hope the Penguins win. He's so good. I could care less who wins. I just like watching him play. Watch the little things, people. Watch the little things that he does and see how he makes the other players around him better by making their life easier. Just As the little to... curls and the little angle plays, and, and he's always hitting his forwards in stride to have them gain speed. His gap wait, control wait. is pristine. That hitting your offensive players on in stride is so underrated as a skill. The amount mm-hmm. of times that you, I've seen Crosby, Geno, Kessel, Kunitz, Bennett, Sprong, have to pick the puck out of their skates. They're good enough to get it out of their skates and get it onto their stick and skate, but they lose that half stride trying to do that, and therefore they get caught. You know what the worst part about the Paul Martin uh, tenure in Pittsburgh is? Yeah. That there's some people that actually think that he didn't play well in year one, and it's just not true. At all, quite frankly. But is that from expectation of him being an 80-point scorer? Like he, never, that, I, he never was. No, I knew that when they signed him. 
I'm just saying, what were the expectations of Paul Martin when he signed a 5 by 5 Was it for him to be an 80-point scorer? And if that was the case, then your expectations were, I hate to say it, retarded. He was never going to be that. He do, you is know, do you want to know what a score, to, score adjusted Fenwick was his first two years in Pittsburgh when he was not playing with Brooks Orpik, when he was playing with uh, Zabenek McCulloch? What was it? 55.1 and 56.6. <laughs> That's with Z. And, and and the year before in New Jersey, he was at 59.1. Jesus Christ. So, I mean, Paul Martin wasn't good his first year. Oh, fuck off. I mean, do you even know what you're talking about? <sighs> he didn't get 50. Like, they wanted the Gonchar replacement. There was, well, he was never going to be Gonchar. That's the reality of that. I mean, Gonchar is Gonchar. He has a legitimate claim to push for a spot in the Hockey Hall of Fame. He has a legitimate case. To, whether he gets there or not, I don't know. But he definitely should be up there. You look at what his credentials are for his career. He's been fantastic. So there's no reason why. And Paul Martin is not that. You and I have never said that Paul Martin is that as a player. Uh, Paul. Paul, Paul, Paul. <laughs> he gets to play with the Bush Ranger now, so he's got to be happy. No, it's a good fit for him. I'm happy and he that he to... found a good spot. And he gets to wear flip-flops to the arena. Yeah. Well, Northern California gets chilly, but... um, I do watch Sharks occasionally, but I, I very much... We'll enjoy seeing him in a Penguins game, even if it's not uh, on the Penguins. So, okay, can, I ask, well. can I ask you a quick question about another ex-Penguin? Okay. Why is Christian Erhoff being sat in LA? Um, can't say offhand. I don't watch a ton of LA no. games because they don't. Well, their style you, I, isn't. Um, Great. to yeah but this i will say he's played 15 games his score adjusted fenwick's 53.9 and relative to his teammates he's a positive 0.3 percent so it's uh mind you i'm not i i'm telling you right now i haven't watched no, you, you, tons you're of his games yeah but looking at that i mean how much of a liability are we talking about here I know what he is as a player. I've watched a ton of him in Buffalo and Pittsburgh, so I, I know that he's not going to be drastically different than he was last year. Um, I'm going to wager a guess before I just Google it right now, is that his offensive, uh, tangible offensive production's low. Yep, which so, sounds from the field that I get. Five, five assists in 15 that's not. It's like a twenty-five point pace, which is around the norm. I, I, I don't get it. <laughs> don't uh, get it. I know. I know Jason Lewis, who's a colleague of mine at Hockey Buzz and Hockey Prospectus. He's. I, I see his tweets when they release the uh, defensive lineups, and I know he bitches about. Well, why isn't Erhoff in? So he must not be doing that bad. Well, they're playing McNabb over Erhoff. That's the reality. And the reason I ask is that I wanted one of Martin or Erhoff to stay this year. And if you're a Penguins fan, you can obviously understand why if you have a look at the depth. 
That's yeah. That, that, the no. Airhoff thing's frustrating because for one year at one and a half mil, I mean, really, really. He out. He wanted out. He sold before the season had ended. He wanted out. He there was something about that club he didn't like, and he wanted out. What that is, we may never know. It might come out later on. Because a lot of you know half decent hockey players give out books now. We might find out then, but I just I just don't know. Like I can't see how Pittsburgh couldn't pump up two mil to fit him into the cap. Yeah. Oh well. It is what it is. Tomorrow's Paul Martin night. That's all I know. <laughs> or today. It is. Today. Yeah. It's like one thirty in the morning for me. <laughs> it's like 2.30 in the afternoon for me. I suppose that does it. Yeah, it's gone for a while. <laughs> well, folks, you've survived the Chainsaw Massacre in uh, oh, from oh. Perth, Australia. Uh, the least you can do after hanging that far is, uh, you know, you don't have to write a review, but click on the little star thing for iTunes. That helps... Uh, Boost our presence on the iTunes and um, donation page on, at the Hockey Hurts on the podcast page. Uh, anything else? Uh, just look up Gunner's stuff at Hockey's Prospectus. It's a good read, even if the Pittsburgh and the Columbus stuff is crap. It's still a good read. Oh, the book? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the book. Yep, Hockey Prospectus 2015-16, still available, uh, digital or print, HockeyBuzz.com, I do uh, Penguin stuff there, Gunner Stahl, Walshy 66, till next time, we're out. Have a good one.